Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries, and in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about setting agnostic and default setting RPGs. Okay, so first of all, before we get into the main cut and thrust of this episode, I have some voicemails, so take it away. Hi, and John, old man Grognard here. You know, I never thought of using castles and crusades for the Midderlands, but it is a good fit, and I congratulate you for a great system. To me, Pathfinder is the pretender to the throne as far as a follow-up to three, and castles and crusades is the real deal. I love the way they stripped it down, and... The mechanics they added, like the siege engine, the primary and secondary stats is brilliant because it's a great compromise to having too many skills. You can have a secondary career and it could add into the primary and secondary depending on what you do. The races, a little bit kind of like 1E, and I like that because all you have is a few goodies and things like that you write down on the sheet. It's brilliant. The, the system's smooth and it's wonderful to work with. So I wish you all the best of luck for that. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. That was Glenn Halstrom from Old Man Grognod. And if you've got any interest in OSL games, I'm assuming you probably already know about his podcast, um, YouTube channel, etc. But if by some miracle you don't, check out Old Man Grognard on Anchor or on YouTube. Highly recommend it. It's certainly one of my favorite podcasts. Thanks very much for the call in, Glenn. Really appreciate your thoughts on Castles and Crusade. And yeah, I pretty much agree. It seems to me like the the system has taken some of the bits that I really liked about 3.0, 3.5 d and then jettisoned a load of the stuff that I really wasn't too keen on in the first place. And tried to sort of, as you said, try to preserve some of those elements, but compromising with the simplicity of some of the earlier editions. And as a, a great proponent of the sort of old school method of play, you know, the whole rulings over rules, etc. I'm a great fan of the actual rule system, just being complex enough that it can cover situations that I need it to, but simple enough that it gets the hell out of the way when we're doing the role playing and people aren't constantly having to say like oh i want to do a test for this i want to do a test for that i want to consult this huge list of powers that i've got and i think you're absolutely right the the castles and crusade system streamlines that a bit especially when you're looking at things like races where like you say you just get one or two little sort of extra bits and pieces there's less sort of option paralysis i suppose than with certainly with pathfinder where like a lot of the games seems to be and i'm not knocking it if you like pathfinder crack on but Certainly a lot of the sort of game from my experience it seems to be around like optimizing and trying to find the ultimate build of the character from hundreds of different supplements and options. Now, if you like that, that's fine, but that's really not my bag. I think they, they sort of pulled it back a bit with fifth edition because there's there's far less like ridiculous amounts of mechanics you have to use. But I think Castles and Crusades just pushes in a little bit further with that, that sort of elegant simplicity. And I'm really looking forward to trying it out in our Midlands game in future. Although I've sort of made a few tweaks, etc., to fit it in with the Midlands background. But that's mainly come down to like reskinning a few of the races. So, for instance, doing halflings as goblins and doing half orcs as like goblin blooded because there aren't really like orcs and such in the default Midlands setting. As far as I'm aware, I might be wrong. But um, 
just a few bits and pieces like that. So nothing that really involved any mechanical changes or anything. Really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Thanks very much for your call, Glenn. Catch you Hey, John. It's Rob from the Down in the Heat podcast. I hope Castles and Crusades works out for you. It's a game I really like, and I'll be interested to hear how it works at your table. I really like the Bard and Knight, how they did that uh, in the game. It's, I think, the best versions of those, to me, that I've seen in a and d style game. But to me, the, the place that really shines is how they've finally came up with a good solution to make humans a palatable even desirable race by meshing it in with the siege engine so humans get three primes whereas all the other races only get two and that's a significant edge that finally offsets some of the goodies that demi-humans get see ya Thanks very much for your call, Rob. Yeah, entirely agree. I do think that Castles and Crusades has found a way to represent that sort of versatility of the human race that seems to be so lauded throughout many different versions of D&D. But it's never really been accurately represented mechanically in a way that's felt like it actually meant anything to me, to be honest. Whereas I quite like the idea that the demi-humans only get two primary attributes and the humans get to pick an extra one since it doesn't feel game breaking but it does make them feel a little bit more versatile so i'm really looking forward as i said to seeing how castles and crusades is going to work out for our midlands game we're doing the the session zero next week i'm hoping to live stream that to twitch and so eventually edit it and put an edited version on youtube of us doing like the character gen and sort of doing our initial sort of fumblings into the system and finding our way around it. And I'm sure I will be talking further on the podcast about what I think about the system and how well or not it's working. So keep your ears peeled for that. Thanks very much for your call, Rob. Catch you soon. Carry on gaming, dude. Okay, so the mainstay of this episode is going to be a a quick discussion about setting agnostic RPGs and those that actually have a setting baked into them. And I started thinking about this when I was looking at the game Fragged Empire recently, which is a sort of a slightly crunchier than I'd be I'd normally go for system with its own background baked in. Now I personally tend to prefer setting agnostic RPGs. So like your basic DD, which yes has certain assumptions about settings, you know, normally it's a sort of faux medieval fantasy style setting however the actual details of that are left to you to fill in and to the individual gm to fill in whether you've grabbed like a forgotten realms campaign book you know there's that setting and other campaign settings out there that you can just plug in however you never really have to and certainly a lot of gms well in my experience tend to create their own worlds which are always to my mind even if they've borrowed and taken things from other settings which i'm a great fan of it always has a little bit of that individual gm sort of ideas and spark to it in how they assemble things and i, I always find that a very interesting thing to actually gaming shows get a slightly different experience whereas i do find like certainly a lot of the more sort of generic uh pre-created settings can tend to feel a little bit samey over the course of time now i'm sure 
good GMs can put their own spin on sort of pre-created campaign settings. But for my money, once you've played in like a few Forgotten Realms games, they all start to feel a little bit the same. And when you've played in like so many Ravenloft games or whatever. Now, that might just be my experience, but that's how I tend to see it. So it got me thinking about whether the presence of a pre-generated campaign setting would actually influence my decision whether to buy a game or not. And to be honest, I was quite surprised to discover that, yeah, it probably would, in in all probability, turn me away a bit from buying it. If the setting was so implicit that it was very difficult to get rid of it. Now, if you want to create uh, a game where you've got a sort of implied setting or a very loose sort of setting built in, but it's possible just to take the rules away from that and plug your own setting in, that is absolutely grand. Crack on. I will have a go at your RPG any day of the week. However, games where the raw sort of setting are so closely intermeshed seem to have like both a couple of distinctive advantages and disadvantages in my mind. Now, on the sort of plus side, on the pros for having um, system and setting intertwine, is that you can make a system that applies very specifically to situations, background elements, NPCs, etc., that are very particular to your setting, and you can reinforce the flavor of your setting using those mechanics. Whereas the mechanics for games that are looking to have a bit more of a broader appeal or to be setting agnostic have to be a bit more generic in most cases because they, ha they don't really know what sort of situations and elements a GM is going to put in a game. So they have to sort of take a bit of a scattergun approach and try and cover as many eventualities as possible. Now that tends to lead to them either being like uberly crunchy where they've tried to put rules in for every situation or to them being quite generic where, which is my personal preference, where they try and have a strong core mechanic that can be used to cover a variety of situations. One of the pros for a setting agnostic system as we said they have to be somewhat more generic however it also means that the designers have to put some thought into their rules and how they're going to be applicable across a broad spectrum of activities whereas arguably those creating a system that applies to a specific setting have a much narrower field that they need to cover so potentially they don't need to put as much thought into all the different angles and possibilities that their mechanics could be used. But in the end, for me, it basically comes down to one or two things. The real bonus for having a system with the setting built into it, in my mind, is that if you're a time-pushed GM or you don't have a great deal of time to prep, and certainly if it's a setting that you and your players are familiar with, you can just roll it out, jump into the game. You don't have to do a lot of world creating, although you may do some bits and pieces to adapt it to your own particular style, but you don't have to create it all from scratch. Now, that depends on whether you enjoy sort of doing that or not, but certainly for me, one of the great joys of being involved in this hobby is creating your own campaign world. Now, you might say, But hold on a minute, John. Aren't you running a Midlands game soon? And that's a pre-created setting made by Monkey Blood Design. So aren't you being a bit of a hypocrite there? Hmm? Hmm? And I suppose you could say, yes, I am. I mean, I never said I was a saint. But 
my argument for using things like the Middlelands setting, certainly the Greater London book that I'm going to be using shortly, is that this is a setting designed very much to have a lot of blank spaces for the GM to fill in. And you can tell that because I've read a, a few different sort of session and campaign descriptions of people running games in the Midlands, and they've all been very different from the two games that I've run there thus far. And indeed, the two games that I ran were very different from each other. So there's a lot of blank spaces within that setting for you to fill in your, uh, your own version of the Midlands, basically. So it is almost like you sort of get the best of both worlds. You get that rough framework that you can used to hang ideas on and sort of like as an instant jump start to your campaign but you also get plenty of space to expand the world your own so that is the the sort of the ultimate for me if i'm going to be perfectly honest i would like i like a system which is setting agnostic so in the case of the midlands games i'm using castles and crusades which has very much the the assumptions that dnd has you know it's a faux medieval world with magic I'm using a, a separate campaign setting book, The Middlelands, which has a basic framework, but also has plenty of space for me to incorporate my own ideas, allowing me to effectively make my own campaign world within it, but without me having to start 100% from scratch. And also, I will be pulling on ideas from different places that I can incorporate into that different OSR supplements. I've just got a copy of The Gardens of Yin, as recommended in Colin's Spike Pits podcast. Enjoy the episode, Colin. Picked up a copy of it straight afterwards. You did a great job of selling that one to me. My, my bank balance curses you. And I'll probably incorporate lots of other stuff as well in addition to my own ideas. So as I've said, rules with setting agnostic, uh, plugging in a campaign world, but one that provides a framework and allows me to move within it. That's pretty much the ultimate for me. And whilst, yeah, okay, if, if it was a, if I was looking at a new RPG and it had a setting for it, as long as I could pull the rules away from that setting, if I wished, I would probably still buy it. If it was a an RPG where the system setting was so entrenched that it made that very difficult, I probably wouldn't go for it, to be perfectly honest. Unless it was a setting, unless I was going to run it for a one-shot and it was sort of fairly cheaply available, or it was a setting that really spoke to me and I was really enthusiastic about running it. So there's a few of my brief rambling thoughts on setting agnostic rpgs and setting specific rpgs let me know what you think if you want to get in touch with me you can drop me an email reddicediaries at gmail.com or of course you can send me a voicemail message using the anchor app and i really do enjoy listening to those so until i see you next time take care and whatever game you're playing have fun take care